Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my co-host who never says die, Alex Dandino. All right, guys, before today's movie, a little business. Please take a second right now. Do it! Uh, or else we'll start growling at you. <laughs> Leave us a five-star and a, a rating and review. Uh, five stars, a couple sentences. Tell everyone why you enjoy spending time with the show. Help us defeat the algorithmic overlords. We appreciate it so much. Uh, those of you who have done it, we've seen you. Thanks. 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 All right. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. You can find video versions of these podcasts and some other stuff we're working on over there. Lots of fun. Go do that. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod, at gmail.com. You can also find us on all the social media sites you're on. Uh, let us know what you want to hear us talk about, whether it be a new movie, uh, a, a favorite movie of yours, a double feature, uh, two movies to play together. Everyone knows what a double feature is. That was redundant. Uh, you want to program a whole month? You got a tight theme? Hit us up. You want guest host people specifically for us to talk to or interview? Let us know, and we'll try to give you the show that you want and deserve. All right. This month, the pod gets March Madness. Uh, so these will all be movies prominently featuring basketball, uh, right? Indeed. For those of you who are sports buffs like me and Alex, we're we're some of the tough boys. We know a lot about ball sports. Yep. So, basketball. Today's first entrance into our uh, The Pod Has March Madness Month, Teen Wolf. Um, <laughs> so, Teen Wolf was an interesting one to sit down in the context of this show. Because it's an insanely iconic movie for what that movie is. Uh, this movie is ingrained in my mind. Uh, I found it at a young age, just at that right time where it just seemed like a way cooler movie uh, than it probably would if you found it old. So I, I love this film, and I have a lot of nostalgia for this film. I imagine some executive went into a studio and said, hey, what if the uh, groundhog from Caddyshack could fucking poorly play basketball? <laughs> Teen Wolf, and that's the movie we got. So, Alex, walk me through your opening thoughts on Teen Wolf. I can actually, because I did the research, refute that. What actually happened was an executive came in and said, Hey, <laughs> that Valley Girl movie made a lot of money. Can we get Jeff Loeb, who's never written any movies ever, to write a Teen Wolf comedy? Sure. And that's the story of and Teen Jeff Wolf. Loeb said, what if the groundhog from Caddyshack could fucking poorly play basketball? <laughs> they said, boom, there it is. Um, they're like, check. They're like, this guy is going places. Teen Wolf is one of those movies that I also saw at an extremely young age. And of course, it was when I was playing basketball when I was young, so because you know when you're growing up in like Indiana and Ohio and the Midwest in general, like basketball is life. So you're like, oh, dude, yeah, I played basketball. Gus Macker represent Gus Macker, absolutely. It, so you're like, oh, it was yeah, all about Gus Macker. What if I turned into a Teen Wolf? I could be <laughs> that good and not just score four points a game. You could be the Teen Wolf. Not true. Yeah. Having watched this as a 34 year old adult, some things ring differently. I'm not gonna lie. 
uh, I still wish I was a teen wolf that could play basketball. Yeah. And I would use that to my advantage for the rest of my life and tell that boof girl to go fuck herself. But, uh, how dare you? <laughs> Wait, you're not team boof. Oh no. I mean, I'm all team boof, but that's, that's Alex Dandino, the Scott Howard, you know, that's that that's oh me. so alex dandino's an uppity wolf who would tell the lovely boof to just fuck off huh i mean if i you think you're better than boof if again if it's <laughs> if i'm taking the back to the future time machine and going back to 1985 when this movie takes place nope. in encino california by way of nebraska then yes i mean i would go back and be like i could become a legend in the sports <laughs> oh i see you're just like i'll be too busy putting up trip doubles and just yeah. slinging hair no, no, log I'm, everywhere? You no, no, I'm, I'm straight up You're biff. the true monster. If I was 34 and figured this out, I'm straight up biffing this shit and taking it all the way back. Absolutely. <laughs> so you're more you're more biff than boof, we've said <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. In this context, yes. However, real life Alex Dandino, is that, that's boof, boof's my girl all day. Team boof. She's probably the only decent person in the whole movie. Yeah, when you watch it as an adult, you're like, there is hog levels, hogwart levels amount of just bad teaching and parenting going on in this People movie. People are off. Because when I saw it, right, you're like, all right, it's a kid who can uh, turn into an old wolf and he plays basketball. Hey, that's fine. Hey, oh, um, yeah, yeah. This movie presents it in a horrifying context. And then just kind of skirts the consequences that they set up in their own movie. Yeah. This is not okay. But So let's start, right? You start right away. Michael J. Fox and the boys just getting their fucking asses kicked in a basketball game, right? I love the opening to this movie. I, I, I This is the movie that really crystallized the coolness of Michael J. Fox to me. Yes. Because I always wonder, I was like, Michael J. Fox was six foot one. Would he have just like not been who he was would he have just been like a soap opera actor who just like didn't matter because we're like oh look just another tall super handsome charismatic guy and i think basketball is the perfect thing to crystallize that marty mcflyness where he's so fucking cool but because he looks like he's five foot two it's understandable how he can at once be our aspirational like fuck i wish i was as cool as michael j fox but that he also has real life struggles, right? And this putting him on a basketball court, I feel like they really knew exactly what made him so aspirational to us. Yes, and it it just works right away. I mean, the first shot, the I gotta say, like it's not often movies like this start this way, but the first shot is literally like him sweating over the camera, like, oh my god, I've been there. I know exactly how he feels right now, and then like other things happen you're like never mind i don't know exactly how he feels but certainly i've been in that situation before um old big game alex over there <laughs> yeah i was more uh i was more i believe the character's name is chubby than uh than uh, yeah mascot was more your game <laughs> the beaver yes yeah <laughs> um but yeah like the movie starts kind of uniquely and does a really good job of also hammering home that Michael J. Fox is just like all of us, not just when we're teenagers, but honestly, like now, like unsatisfied, wanting more, like all these kinds of things. Like it's generational. Eh? 
but like that's kind of the thing for the movie is we all want to be teen wolf like don't kid yourself like you want to have this amazing thing happen to you it just falls right in your lap and it changes fundamentally who you are for what you believe is in a good way and i think that's kind of the cool thing about the opening of this movie is like everybody feels that way all the time and yes there's obviously a huge allegory in this for shocking puberty but at the end of the day (laughs) the movie is really about coming to grips with who you are as yourself not just like who you can be but or not not necessarily like who you are like but who you can become by using that power for something other than just personal gain it's a good it's a good it's a good parable yeah i i feel like the moral lesson of the movie completely collapses by the end because it reminds me of the guys who cheat and do a shitload of steroids yeah and so then they're all buff but they're like but i haven't taken it in six months and it's like well your body's still never mind i'm sure you learned something there scotty boy but (laughs) yeah but no i mean i think that's the thing that works about teen wolf is this is one of the werewolf movies that don't play it as a curse right you could argue that it's a curse but more than a, a werewolf curse film this really is a a wish horror film right be careful what you wish for movie not horror exactly but it's a be careful what you wish for yeah thing, it's right? like a longer it's a it's a 90 minute are you afraid of the dark yeah and because but it's funny as you start going through the movie you're like a lot of people are doing this exact same thing though right like we all have the because I was watching the movie and I was like, the truest werewolf in the movie who is afraid of being average is Styles, who may be the most easily hateable character <laughs> I've ever seen in a movie. Like, almost. I spent the me- whole movie wanting to drag Styles out into the yard and beat him down. <laughs> I can't tell you how badly I wanted Scott to lose control of the entire movie and just maul him. But, you know. <laughs> Just become such a different movie. <laughs> God, God bless it. If only it, it's so but no. Weird. Just imagine, right? So Scott's like, I want to turn into a werewolf so I can be better at sports. The scenes when he's walking around school, high fiving, you know. Now he's the big man on campus. Now he's got swag. Styles to me is the werewolf version of the loser who also doesn't want to be forgotten. Right? Every single thing he does in this movie is an annoying front character for a person who has no self-value it's it's like even things like he can't even open his locker without all of his jokes falling out right oh it's time to surf on top of the van and that's like everything you do makes me want to destroy you but then i didn't realize not only is he just this easily hateable charlatan right this horrible horrible man I had forgotten that his plan to get the keg was, hey, Michael J. Oh Fox, God. go in okay. with the squirt gun and pretend to stick him up. Can we discuss the <laughs> white privilege that one must have in 1985 thinking that, all right, the only way we're going to be able to get a free keg of beer, but we'll pay for it, so I think we stole it, is to stick up the liquor store and still pay for the keg. It's with a water gun. With a water gun. It's, also, it's like, so this is who Styles is, right? It's pretty impressive. He is sending his friend into the liquor store to stick it up, just hoping that that old guy doesn't have a gun. 
I don't know. If this is supposed to be the Midwest, you'd be hard-pressed to find a liquor store that doesn't have a gun to defend itself. <laughs> so he's just like, I'll take my chances that my tiny friend Michael J. Fox is going to walk in there and not get blown away. You know, as we try to get this keg. And we see it's this because he keeps telling us he has to have it to get in the party. Right. Which we find out later is not true. They had 10 kegs. People are just walking in yeah, from everywhere, fine. right? He desperately wants to be the guy that brought the keg. That's why he comes in surfing. That's why he has his costume change. That's why he has to carry the keg. And I was, I was thinking in my mind, I was like, the arc of Styles. I remember as a young person watching this movie, thinking Styles was really cool. Right? I'm like, oh, he's in that category of, you know, Judd Nelson, Robert Downey Jr., like, super quirky, awesome side character. That's always what I wanted to be, right? Like, when I was, I remember I was younger and I fell in love with movies, I saw Mallrats, and you're like, I want to be a Brody. Yeah. Well, little did we know, we grew up in a society full of Brodies, and it's horrible, right? Yeah. Don't be a Brody. Don't be Brody. Right? But, TS but like, like that, okay. that character was a prototype. Yeah, the funny, snarky, comical sidekick, right? right. That's who I thought I'd be. And Styles was one of those characters you fashion yourself out. He goes, he's super cool. I'm sure everyone likes Styles. When you see it as an adult, like even him just like, I'm going to cash in a van, the Wolfmobile. I'm going to start selling shirts. And, you know, all the things he's doing. He never once stops and asks, hey, does it hurt when you transform? Yeah. Hey, are you okay? Like, <laughs> he never... <laughs> he doesn't care i mean this is like the he's the perfect again it's it's fast he's like the proto archetype for like the perfect shit best friend because of the stuff exactly like this like putting your friend in constant danger finding it like <laughs> the first time he finds out that scott's the, a werewolf he's literally looking for weed and he can't find it and he's just like His brother's oh. weed yeah and again i would have just assumed and I don't remember. Does he? Does he say like, "Am I actually?" I feel like he thinks you're he's beautiful. he's stoned when he sees it the first time. No, no, no. He sees him and he just says, "You're beautiful." Uh, and that moment lets you know every because that's that's where he now he can continue his werewolf game of yeah. being this fucking sentient clown shoe walking among. There is a scene when I never noticed it before, but when Styles is at prom. He has the shirt under his jacket that says Wolf Buddy. And I was like, that's so fucking sad. Yeah. It's such a tragic moment in a film that I absolutely overlooked. It's just, hey, look at me. I'm friends with the hairy guy. It was so, so fucking pitiful and sad. Because Michael J. Fox's journey is really pitiful as well. But at least with Michael J. Fox gives you a base of a charisma and charm. Yeah, well, at least he learned He's something. He's the, the vapid inversion of that. I mean, kind of. I mean, at least he sort of learns, like, you know, don't be a teen wolf all the time in life. I don't know. But <laughs> Styles is one of those characters that, like, to me, it was always one of those things, like, Styles is one of those characters, like, that guy probably died in high school. Or, like, he died, like, immediately after. Like, he never, <laughs> he never amounted to anything. <laughs> he just, so one day, someone was walking past, like... <laughs> That's a horrible smell coming from that van. Oh, Styles, you died in there. That's it. Like, there's no. <laughs> Styles eventually is like, I'm not going to be a barista forever. He found into the wild, tried to hike up to that van, <laughs> but he did it all like live so everyone could watch him and laugh the whole time. Yeah, pretty no, much. I, I, 
actually Styles, though, I honed in. I'm like, Styles is the difference between what made John Hughes movies of this era so magical, right? Is that Styles is just a character that doesn't exist in the world. You can't be that much of a cock all the time. Yeah. Right? You don't show up to high school and wear a shirt that says dick nose. Like, what are you looking at dick nose? Yeah. There's no moment of that film where you're like, there's really a, like, you know, people like Styles. I, as a kid, was always getting in trouble trying to be a class clown and whatever. But even I would be like, all right, it's English class. I can take an hour off of my my bits. Right. right? You don't look around and be like, oh, Chubbs would be on the basketball team in his 40s. You know, like there's like the John Hughes believability of the world and characters, even in something like weird science. Right. Yeah. You like at least still somewhat believe those two characters, even Chet. Right. You're like, that's a pretty relatable brother guy. Yeah. This one has none of that. Not that it, it hurts the film. It actually almost adds to the kind of the fable nature I mean, of this. This like we dark talked- German teenage fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about this before the pod is like. No one in this town other than Boof is like a decent human being. Like, I actually think the dad is a huge problem in this movie. Like, Scott's dad, dad sucks. is an utter scumbag. Like, not only no, is he I mean, he's not <laughs> He's not an utter scumbag. Yes, he is. He's No, he's not. Wait, are you saying he's trying to hook up with Boof during that basketball Besides game? Besides the Boof hookup, he also literally like this Okay, is that something- would be evidence again what that would be evidence against i'm saying he's not a bad guy he probably is a not great parent clearly right because there's a scene when he says at dinner i think it's time for us to have a chat and it's such like "Uh, i'm gonna go to a party and he's like tomorrow then at that very party right they're getting all hot and bothered in a closet. Yeah. He shreds Boof. He shreds Boof's sweater, The back man. of her dress and is mawing cool. at her neck. If Boof isn't cognizant, right? Let's say Boof's had an extra drink. That could have been Boof's throat that gets ripped out, right? That was one of those moments I'm like, oh, that's like a dark-ass moment they added in the middle of this movie. And his dad's just like the, the you know, Chewbacca's dad from the Christmas special. Yeah, just, like, man, I'll probably just sit here and watch virtual reality so, pornography we and we'll talk, talk on life, dude. Like, but here's the But that's the thing. He's played as this, like, best dad ever. Yeah, which is ridiculous because he literally at any time (laughs) could have said, hey, at some point this might happen. And, like, you know, you could have, like, if you had written it a different way, if Jeff Loeb had decided to say, like, this was, like, something that he would like constantly joke with Michael J with uh, Scott about like, Oh, you might turn into a werewolf. Like Scott's like, Oh, dad's a fucking loon. Dad's crazy, whatever. And then it happens. That's at Mm -hmm. least a little more of a setup. So we don't think that Scott's dad is a total dick, but (laughs) we're forced, forced (laughs) to assume that Scott's dad is like, listen, I can't tell him because who knows? And he was like, literally like, maybe it skips a generation. Like, Hey dude, like, you don't just, like, send a kid for, like, come on. This isn't Gattaca. You don't just skip a generation. Like, talk to him well, about no. this. That's the, it's the funny thing about this movie. We, you kind of have to grapple with the werewolfness of it, right? Because it does just play as Dr. And Jekyll, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde of, like, you know, teenage testosterone, right? Right. Like, he's kind of Scott. He's a little unseen. He shrinks away a little bit. Then when he's Teen Wolf, he's actually just, like, a macho popular kid right 
you could take the wolfness almost all the way out and that would work right when you add the werewolf in though there's a lot you have to grapple with right so every day his dad's sending him to school with his little lunch pats him on the bottom and is like i hope you don't turn into an apex predator today and eat your fucking classmate little Susie." like he's been doing that for, for years. how long i mean this the, yeah i mean he's like presumably almost a senior in high school he has to know school, at like, some point what if this happened in like happen. sixth grade and he yeah well like what if they take a field trip to the farmyard right and some uh some farmyard animal starts roughing him up right giving him a tussle right and he just goes on a blood frenzy in front of all these people because <laughs> they that's the other thing too they take out the lunar aspect right if you're a father and you're like i don't want to tell him yeah but when there's a full moon outside, I'll be like, hey, it's family night. You can't go out. Yeah. That's one thing. He, this can happen at lunch. This could happen the first time he has to take a shower and get his dinky out in front of his classmates and he feels too embarrassed. Next thing you know, he's just, it's a bloodbath in the showers at school. Like, there are traumatic emotional moments all throughout my life as a school student, right? Right. That doesn't bode well for the dad who later in life is like, well, one time I made... Little Ronnie pee and poop his pants, and I don't know who was most scared that night. <laughs> it doesn't seem like he learned his lesson exceptionally well. Yeah. Also, the fact that he went back later and abused his power and made Rusty pee his pants again. <laughs> I was like, I don't feel like you've learned anything, Gramps or Pops. <laughs> no, no, he has not. There's this... Uh... <laughs> pee pants did oh fuck dude yeah they are like just like the worst parents are <laughs> the worst he is the worst father hey wait did, did we ever meet his mother he's a single dad who's running a business that okay. gives this kid a nice cushy okay, life yeah. so can we talk about this for a second because i have a he's theory a bad guy i'm fairly certain that scott's dad killed his mom in a fit of werewolf rage what yes they he loved his mom no, he was under control by the time he had him. See, that's what you say so that you don't tell your kid, by the way, I turned into a bloodthirsty beast and basically ate your mom. Lock stock. I'm telling oh, you. Oh, shit. There is. Well, what if it was. I'm not so saying. Are you insinuating this was like a moment of a more like him and Boof? run amok i think that maybe i because i think actually like maybe she's got, like howard i think we've got a little she's like howard it's the third tuesday of the month it's fuck night and he goes Arr! and yeah. accidentally just like has at her it's like oh I god even, we're 55 well, like, now <laughs> like to me every every adult in this movie is morally reprehensible like that theater teacher is for sure fucking uh that one girl the lead of the play yeah that doesn't seem good but then the dad but see like that's the thing is like the dad's really the first and then like you know you have the same uh vibe you get from this is the same vibe you get from uh the principal like the principal's kind of a dick he's sort of like the principal from back to the future like that's like the prototype is like you're a slacker or you i see what you're doing there blah, blah, blah. the dad though is sort of like this lovelorn guy is kind of like doofy and everything. And he turned like his werewolf is, yeah, like Chewbacca's dad from the Christmas special. And then he's getting real handsy with Boof while they're playing one on one. And I'm like, oh, he's like having a Francis Ford Coppola's like Dracula 
flashback of like, oh, my wife looked just like Boo. Oh, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? You're really out there on this one. I'm taking it, man. I'm I thought it. he was just the hard work in every man. Oh, I'm going for it. He's having like taking a weird. Taking care of his boy. He's having like a weird Bram Stoker He's flashback. He's working hard for his boy. Oh, man. What if him and Scott just had to fight to the death for Boof? Yeah, see, that like, would she's be She's at their house like, do you want to play one-on-one? And, and Scott comes home and he's like, make it one-on-one on one. That's a fucking... They rip their shirts off and they just fight to the death while Boof is hitting layups. That's a fucking, that's a fucking sequel <laughs> for you right there. That's a movie right there. I wanted there. to ask you about the uh, really awkward sex scene in this movie. Um after uh oh god after um scott gets cast as the eerily confederate soldier on a plantation in, or is is a union guy i don't even yeah. know no he's a union soldier oh union he's soldier a union on a plantation soldier. that's what it is and then, that's gone with the wind right they go down and burn burn yeah, scott's like fields and then they go some in such thing yeah they go back there why why doesn't scott Keep up the wolf appearance to uh, get down. But he does. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's I true. I mean, he slips the wolf on like a hair condom. Yeah, exactly. Right? So when it's when it's time to rule, because so, I think this is the thing, right? That's one of the last moments of. So Scott walks out, does the part, right? Mm-hmm. He transformed. That's another weird thing in the movie. Cause the whole montage of him enjoying his life is like, oh, I'll stay in the Teen Wolf forever. And then later in the movie, when he starts picking and choosing when to not be Teen Wolf, this is one of the more interesting ones, right? So he goes in her room. Presumably, she's asked him to come in. So he kind of knocks like, hey, what's up? Right. Close the door. And then all of a sudden, she's like, oh, you're just that guy. And I think that's his last moment where he's like, I've done some things now. I've got a resume now. She sat by me at, you know, lose grease spoon while I bit a soda can. Like, she likes me now. And I think that's the last moment where he, in the movie where he's like, oh, she absolutely does not. Right. She does not give a fuck if I'm not the wolf, right? They've been wolf bowling. Or maybe that's that. But anywho, I think that is Scott trying to see if he is enough for her. And he clearly finds out that he's not, right? So not only does he have to be a, a wolf union soldier, then he's got to be the wolf the wolf condom, right? But it, it – also, I love, too, because that's when Thorn Rusty goes out to his car and he just hears – right? like, He hears the coming shot of the owl. <laughs> but this gets back into the the oddness of this film. There's a lot of wolf stuff to grapple with in the movie that essentially treats the wolf like it's not a wolf. Yeah. Right? Basically treats it like you it's... You have to grapple with this a lot. It basically treats it like it's growing a beard rather than... like, like Yeah, like, like steroids, you know, like hormones, whatever. grow a beard in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not that. The scene that oh it, that was so much better today than I remember. I love the idea of when they dog pile him, or wolf pile him, I guess, on the basketball court, and he explodes up, and now he's the Teen Wolf, and it's a brilliant scene because everyone in the gym's like, "Oh fuck, yeah!" It's one of those things that I think we've seen enough in movies, right? Werewolves, shapeshifters, whatever. If you saw that in real real life, that decimates the natural order of our world. 
right? Everything we know about genetics, religion, science immediately go out the window. You're like a guy just spontaneously transformed into a wolf. Everything is nigh, right? Like, right. Burn it all down. Blood orgies in the street. Like there's anarchy everywhere. <laughs> or essentially what happens at Scott's house because his dad's not parenting enough. He's busy running a business. Right. Anywho, <laughs> I love that everyone's just staring at him dumbfounded. And Michael J. Fox just starts dribbling. Yeah. He's like, hey, what's up? This is cool. Hey, what's up? This is normal. Look how good I am now. This is normal. Check that out. He runs down and makes a, a layup, <laughs> throws the ball to the ref nonchalant. And the ref goes, Back to playing basketball with the <laughs> giant carnivorous dog boy. <laughs> and they just start playing again. And I actually think that scene is brilliant. I do too. I think that's because a brilliant scene. It is a really brilliant scene in a movie of like pure absurdity because what it doesn't do. And this is like the, always the thing that I like about Teen Wolf is every other movie that's like it. Every other movie is like teenager who is afforded amazing powers learns a lesson blah 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 every other movie it's about hiding that from the general public it's the first time that we really get to see a movie where someone is actually like out with it and yeah that scene alone i think is like honestly one of those like ingenious moments in cinema history where you're like everyone takes like all right everyone take like five minutes to get used to this and then we're gonna have to keep playing basketball that's like my favorite bit about the whole thing. It's like, everyone take your minute, let him score his free layup, and then we'll see how this goes. He's probably still the same guy. And then, of course, he's amazing. But, like, it's such a brilliant piece. <laughs> it's such a brilliant piece in a weird movie of just like, all right, the cat's out of the bag or wolf's out of the bag. Let's have this conversation for, like, two go. seconds and then continue the movie and make it a movie about, like, a actual teen wolf. <laughs> It's the subtle, low-key intermission moment. Do you think this movie's stupid? Leave now. You're getting a lot more of this. That is exactly what And the rest of us just is. watched, and we're like, yeah, the rest of us just watched, and we're like, yeah, I want more of this. This is cool. <laughs> like, in the theaters in, in 1985, I, everyone had the chance to leave 20 <laughs> minutes into this movie, and no one left. Everyone's like, I'm in. Let's do this. Some guy just stands up. And he's like, poppycock. He walks out. Some guy, fuck this. I'm seeing Lawrence of Arabia again. Yeah, no. But David Lean, it's all, this it's, is not. In like a world building way, too. It kind of works, right? In a, a, world, a weird world building way. We know that his dad's a werewolf. Right. We don't know what other kind of mythical beasts live in this town, right? But they, they're low-key telling us that this is a problem that's been around for a long time, right? Uh, so the liquor store guy just hops to getting that keg immediately. And Michael J. Fox looks like a 12-year-old in this yes. movie. He hops to getting that keg, right? He doesn't threaten him. He, he just growls. Urgh. The man could have just run, fled, locked himself in the office. No, that man got the keg. You know Why? Because he's fucking seen and heard about werewolves in this town before. The yes. people at that basketball game. And then the subsequent entire season leading up to a championship game. They never had the one scene, right, where someone goes to the school board and is like, hey, I don't think a massive carnivorous beast should be allowed to compete in basketball. They had that scene even in Air Bud. They tried to get the dog ruled ineligible. <laughs> And that's a golden retriever, not a, a werewolf. Retriever, not a werewolf. So it's, 
There was never a scene where everyone's like, this doesn't seem right. (laughs) This town has had such an onslaught of supernatural cryptid beast. (laughs) They're just like, of course, this murdering machine can play basketball with your kids. (laughs) And the parents go, excellent. (laughs) Chubbs will be there Monday for practice. It's a a brilliant bit of world building because in that moment, when they all start playing again, and then we just see a montage of basketball and school activities, yep. we know that this town has seen this shit before. Inclu- and I think that's an important wrinkle in this. Including very dangerous roof um, uh, van surfing. But the thing that was really surprising to me, and I had, because I'm, I'm not going to talk about that. The thing that was very, very surprising to me this time around, and I had completely forgotten this, <laughs> is. After, like, the principal gives him some shit, and he's like, look good in that, walks away, he immediately starts breakdancing with, I think, the only black kid yeah. in the entire high school. And yeah. just, like, I, I was like... That so- was another strike against Styles. If you watch that final basketball game, when all the people are fighting, right, during the last shot, right, when Michael J. Fox gets fouled for the last time, right, all the players are walking around, Chubbs is trying to get in the guy's face, whatever. There's one African-American player. He's heading to the sideline. Styles aggressively runs up on him and gets in his face and starts screaming at him way too much. I was like, is Styles a racist as well? Styles, I think, is a racist. We already heard earlier in the movie where Styles is like, don't tell me you're gay. Oh, thank God. You're just a werewolf. <laughs> I was like, yes. God damn, the I, times they are changing. That's one of those. That's one of those. Unbelievable. You're like. Wow, that's the least. That's the second most shocking. Like, oh, good, you're just a werewolf. It's a weird. Well, it's like that scene and the the party scene. You can really tell where the needle has moved, right? Yeah. When they're just like, let's play a game where we whip cream random people together and tie them up naked for all of us to surround like Lord of the Flies, and then we'll just pour Jello down this girl's shirt and Chubbs can just start mowing through her blouse. And I, I'm old enough. I was like, I've seen shit like that at parties. And you're like, God, just savage times back then. Ridiculous things that like just were in major movies. And we're like, yeah, that seems normal, right? <laughs> like insanity. But we got to get back to this carnivorous beast thing. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I want to talk, because, yes, Pam definitely makes the decision she wants to have sex with the wolf. Yes. Her arc in this movie is almost so sexist as to be infuriating. <laughs> Because essentially it's, her arc is, I like tall buff guys who look like they're 30. Yep. And then I'm going to have sex with you because you're a teen wolf. Okay, I can't falter there. I would want to have sex with a lady teen wolf if I was in high school. Sure, sure. Why then does she seem to just use him as a cudgel against the guy she really just wants to be with? They really just play her as this, like, you're just going to be the vagina that starts the war? She doesn't have, like, a recognizable arc to any of her choices. I felt bad for her in this movie. Yeah, she's not. uh... Also, like you said, definitely the theater teacher also seems to be a little friendly. Yeah, the theater teacher's definitely having sex with her. Like, unscrupulously. Like, literally, the first thing we hear him say is, like, my love, my love. Like, all right, creep, take it down a notch. So, 
Yeah, bring it down around the children, creep. Yeah, it's an odd it's an odd thing. Like she's I mean, I guess she's just an 80s trope. Like it's just an 80s trope of like, oh yeah, hot girl in school, so you know, I guess she's loose. I don't know. It's what like it's one of these weird things that I've never understood about movies like this is just God, I remember my mom using that phrase, loose. It's like, <laughs> what a horrible thing to say. Yeah, like, I never horrible. thought about it back in the day, but you think about it now, and you're just like, what? Could you just imagine just saying that about something? Oh, my God. But, but that's, like, <laughs> that's the thing, though, that doesn't make sense to me about... It's never made sense to me about that character in a lot of movies. Is like, they're just sort of there to be... And it was always just a random blonde girl. It wasn't a famous blonde girl. It was a random blonde woman was that character in a lot of these movies. It never really works for me. And, yeah, it's, like, horribly sexist in a lot of ways because all they're there for is just to be, like, the honeypot, basically. But ultimately, it doesn't even work very well for me as, like, a foil of, like, oh, you want that hot girl, but you're going to wind up with Boof anyways. Like... To me, the entire town is the foil for Boof. Like, she's the only one the entire time. Like, she's the one who wants to go to the dance with him is just Scott Howard, not the wolf. Like, all these other, like, she just wants him. Everybody else wants the wolf. It's like, you don't even need that character in this movie to make it work. Like, you could have done it. Yeah. You could have done the whole entire movie as him <laughs> just being a wolf. And it works the same way. The whole town is the honeypot. Yeah, you don't need just that character. Yeah. No, I I love Boof in this movie. That's why I got upset earlier when you said, I love Boof in this movie. Oh, yeah. Boof, uh, Boof is the girl Alex Dandino. When she told the, the story about them. Well, she told the story about them trying to run away, but they couldn't cross the road. Yep. And she's just there. She's just a good friend and a good person. And she doesn't get overly destroyed and devastated when he's being an asshole she's just like i know i'm good yeah like if you want to get your shit together cool if not like i'll keep trudging on like i'll be fine i love that about her man and yeah she wanted scott howard not the wolf i i liked her a lot man i i i was getting mad watching him a little bit if i'm being honest i was like you fucking loser yeah that scene when he's like they want the wolf they expect the wolf i can't take you to the dances just me I can't be average and a nothing. You're like, in this moment, you are a nothing, you fuck. You are a nothing loser. if you're going to turn down the boof. What's wrong with you? Yeah. And then it just cuts to him brushing his mane to the Bee Gees. And I'm like, see, you are a loser. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. It's it's one of these. It's one of those movies where, like, the lesson is very clear early on. Like, because... He says it in the very god damn dude. And like once I found out Jeff Loeb wrote this script, I'm like, of course you included that line, you asshole. Was like early in the movie after he's like found out he's a wolf, he's talking to his dad. His dad says, like, with great power comes great responsibility. And I'm like, Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. got it. That's the lesson. Like, he'll learn that later on. Like the movie, like, it's telegraphing the past. The unique thing and the reason that this movie is so popular and the reason that I think it works is because of what we were talking about. That scene, that intermission, the little interlude of like, do you need to get up and leave because this is the movie for the rest of the movie? That scene 
is what makes this movie interesting and makes it unique and fun to watch is that it's not about like, Oh, how's he going to keep it under wraps? It's how is he going to grapple with the fact that this is who he is? How do you deal with the fact that this is who you are forever? You're not going to change and you can turn it on and off. It's not necessarily just this like werewolf curse or anything like that. You're turning it on and off at will. So who do you choose to be the man or the beast? Are they one and the same? And how do you deal with that? Those are the kinds of things that I like about teen wolf and the way it works. And then, yeah, it's fun to watch, I guess, van surfing and styles being like clearly the worst person (laughs) in the history of this town. I liked. Yeah. No, I liked the ending because I didn't realize it till today, but I'm like, oh, he cheated big time in the end. Oh, like this hardcore. movie ends not on a triumphant. He learned to be Scott. He's a scum. He's my thing is, is once he became the werewolf, right? The mm-hmm. first time we saw the transformation and he got the, the high cheek hair, right? Yeah, that's it. He has werewolf powers from then on. He is a different bodied human being. Yeah. So he can say whatever he wants and maybe psychologically he doesn't feel as cool and tough and whatever. Right, because I talked about early in the film, like when he comes in and he's carrying all the hardware store shit, he spills it all, but he still takes his shot at Pamela. Right, you're like, that's a bravery real nerds like that's us in high school real would not bravery. have had. Yeah, I, I agree. Never that would was have like taken really my shot moment. at that girl. Well, that's just one of those moments that again is like they know who he's aspirational to. Right, right, right. Later in the film, when he shows up at that basketball game, he's like, "I just got to be me." I almost clawed that guy to death. So. We've seen the growl, the eyes, all these things while they're still maintaining human. We know they can control it at will, right? And all of a sudden you see Michael J. Fox is hitting free throws. He's hitting layups, things he could not do at the start of the game. His body and the muscle fibers and the muscle memory have fucking changed. He might not have as much hair and leap as high, but he is an augmented version of Scott Howard. And the fact that they let this lie fester in plain sight and we all just believe he's getting killed i mean he's getting killed like michael jordan versus the bad boys pistons killed right and he just pops up i can take all you want and we're like oh what a resilient normal human who's very small and then in my brain i'm like no wait he's fucking cheating for sure there's no way he just learned because again the one thing i would guarantee is that michael j fox's jump shot on this set was not wet this was a horrendous jump shot. One of the worst I've ever seen. Yes. By the end of this film, he just Not all good. of a sudden learns how to just start hucking, chucking. No, no way. It's only because his body is altered at a genetic level. But at the end, because he does it normal, right? He's not afraid of letting the town down or doing any of this, right? His great ruse is that he walks into that gym. I'm just like you guys. What he's doing is he's setting him up for a bigger windfall for himself on fucking genetically false pretenses. It's not fair. When they hoist him up at the end like he's some kind of hero, yeah. I was like, he's just another fucking cheater. And now, because like you said, this was the movie where they didn't hide the power. At the end, he did. At the end, he became a villain. Yep. When they hoisted Chubbs up, I was like, that's a guy who that's put it on hero. the line and deserves to get hoisted. Yeah. That's a hero. Not this. Now he's just hiding. Not the charlatan Rudy and Scott Howard clothing. Good Lord. Michael J. Fox had wolf powers at the end. 
He definitely cheated. Yes. And this is a town that is besieged by supernatural cryptids and the normals. The plebs are too afraid to rise that raise their voices up for fear of becoming food. It's a horrifying ending that I had no idea what was happening when I was a kid. It's just like Willy's Wonderland. My God. <laughs> the whole town's in on it. <laughs> actually, the funniest thing about the ending was that they hired two extras on each team that were actually tall and could play basketball. <laughs> Otherwise, those scenes absolutely could not have been shot. I was just like, why all of a sudden does uh, the Beavers have three six-foot-six guys that can pass? Oh, yeah, I got to play basketball. So the basketball in this movie is really the horror, the horror show. <laughs> yes. But all that aside, right? Besides, we almost got the malice in the werewolf palace because number 25 is just clocking everyone, and they don't call flagrant fouls because he's probably also some kind of mythical beast that they're horrified. Or his daddy's like a fucking vampire. Yeah, that guy's some sort <laughs> so of So they can't call flagrant sure. fouls on him. <laughs> but there was the scene in the stands where – this moment Scott shows up and won't be the wolf, mm. someone fucking throws a cup <laughs> at Scott's dad. So someone's like, hey, that's the werewolf's dad. Let's aggravate him. They could have had a massacre in the stands. Like Ron Artest running into the... Crowd. It's quite clear this town's not filled with geniuses, so definitely they would want to aggravate other It is filled beasts. with monsters. It's... I don't know. Again, I feel like we've talked a lot about the weirdness of the movie and the mythology... What I think really dawned on me today is, like, you just watch the werewolf in his basketball uniform running around during basketball montages. You watch the scenes where somehow he already has a branded werewolf dance, right? Yeah. And you're like, it's just wild. It's just fun to watch. It just has that powerful 80s energy yeah. where it felt like something like that could be a major studio movie. And a major release, the fucking Teen Wolf, right? We just don't get movies made like that on that scale anymore. Not now, not on the charisma of someone like Michael J. Fox. And I it wasn't like, like a blockbuster budget, as you said, but still. $1.2 million was the block, was the budget. $1.2 yeah. and it made 80 It made $80 million of the box office. Yeah. It's a wildly fun movie and you constantly are just looking you're like oh there's a werewolf breakdancing in the hallway awesome and at the core of it right you can take all the other shit aside it's got kind of the john hughes set dressing but like the paper thin you know secondhand thrift store john hughes you know accoutrement right but at the middle of this movie you just have michael j fox being the aspirational teenage role model that we all wanted to be. You had Boof, the girlfriend we all wanted to have, right? Like it, So in a way, it works similar to how the best John Hughes works, it has, despite how vapid it is. But then it just adds this werewolf fur on, and you're like, it's just hard to look away. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's hard to look away from Teen Wolf. This movie came out one month after... The first Back to the Future movie. God, what a year. That is the year of the Fox right What there. a year. Michael J. Wolf. Killing it that year. Uh yeah, man. I don't it's just I I appreciate again, I don't know if I saw this movie for the first time now if I would love it. It was just so burned, and I think you hit it. It's it's the werewolf superhero movie where 
it's that wish fulfillment we all have. Like, I wish one day I would wake up and be Spider-Man, Wolfman, Teen Wolf, whatever. Mm-hmm. And what would you do with it? And this movie lets you play out that fantasy with Michael J. Fox, who you want to be your best friend, man. And it's really fun, even if the basketball's horrible and the parents are yes. devious and endangering children and styles should be beaten to a pulp. Given that it is the March Madness month, we must say the basketball is terrible in this movie. I'm pretty sure no one's ever played basketball in this film. Yeah, there's an adult film that I accidentally saw at a third grade birthday party called Flesh Gordon, right? And on this planet, the men have giant erections that are four to five feet tall, like essentially the size of a man. And they use those to hit baskets into balls, right? Or balls into baskets. Strike that, reverse it. That is a better representation of basketball than what is in <laughs> But the basketball is not important. The furry face is not important. The heart. It's like his dad said, right? Yes, because you're the wolf. You can still be a normal person. It doesn't change what's in here, right? Right. Even if he's the wolf, Scott is trapped inside, right? The way a wolf is normally trapped inside a lead character, man. Um, That's it, guys. For Teen Wolf. I hope you had fun with it like we did. We'll be back the rest of this month. March Madness. Uh, many more basketball movies to come. Some other fun new stuff and guests coming your way too. So stay turned. Uh, stay tuned. Turned. Turned. Leave us a rating and review. Email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. Find us on all the social media on. More than anything, thanks for spending time with us. Bye. Bye.